Hey, how you guys doing? Welcome back into Talking Catholic. I got a surprise for you guys today. Guess what? I have a co-host. A co-host on Talking Catholic. Imagine that. So I have Jordan Pacheco here from the Glad Trap Podcast. You've seen him on my my, um, my show before. We did a talk with just him talking about his journey um, into um, tradition. And so if his um, podcast is Glad Trad. It's on YouTube. It's on audio format. So if you aren't if you aren't following Glad Trad, make sure you give it a welcome. Welcome into Talking Catholic, George. How you doing? I am. I'm so happy that we're back together, David. Thanks, and also thanks for for saying the podcast name correctly. Sometimes people will say Jolly Trad or Mad Trad or Rad Trad, but that's we're we're definitely very happy people. So so thanks so much. It's, I'm happy you're here. Yeah, that's funny. And uh, so I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you as well. And we're going to be bringing um, Joe McClain. Joe McClain, you know, he's an author. He's he's um, written a book on on this topic of um, um, how, how men just have to get out pornography. And so we're going to talk about that together. But I want to bring you on the show as my co-host because I really like your video on this. Because I, I did, um, I'll show you, let's, matter of fact, I'm just going to roll into yours so people get a taste. I'm going to pay a little segment of yours. So people see what type of stuff we're talking about. Let's bring it in. And um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of these guys are addicted. And some of these guys have families. Some of these guys have daughters their own age. Um, and it's it's all just a horrid cesspool. And again, part of the reason why I've taken steps I've done to get off pornography is because of the shame and the disgust that's that's filled in. I'll never stop thinking that the female form is attractive. That's not the purpose of being off pornography. In fact, it is good if it's oriented to its right purpose that we find the female form attractive. God did make women extremely attractive, okay? I think my fiance is the most beautiful woman on the face of the earth. And I literally have to wait eight months to be able to, to rightly uh, see all of that, right? And and that's okay because that's what, that's what, that's what God has asked of us and it's worth the wait. And yeah, so it's, it's worth the wait, man. That's, really, wait. that's one of my favorite parts of that segment right there, man. So what um, so what are you looking forward to talking with um Joe McClain about in this conversation? Well, I mean, I know that um his own books and his work on fighting pornography has been absolutely essential. And so I think that you know, part of what's what's really nice about Catholics in the new space and the new media is that we can start having this conversation, uh as, as real men living in the world and dealing with the world. And now there are books as, as Joe's put out uh, and there's also tools and plenty of resources and also just a real positive side for getting off of pornography and really reclaiming authentic sexuality, authentic femininity and authentic masculinity. And I know that you're part of that. I know that Joe's part of that and God willing, I'm, I hope to be part of that. So um, yeah. I'm just, I'm excited for everything. I think this is a real good time to fight. Yeah, and I'm sorry, and you guys know this is a live broadcast. So if you guys have any questions or comments in the comment section, we'll take you know, feel free to participate in this. And I, I um I first wrote about this topic, man, back in 2010. And people don't notice you go to my website, David info. One of the most popular essays that I wrote is on this topic. It doesn't get a lot of shares or whatever, but at nighttime, I always see traffic. People pop in at nighttime. There's always some traffic. You know, you always get maybe like 15 hits a night. But over mm-hmm. over a course of like 10 years, it's been it's been pretty been pretty popular. And I'll and I'll show it to you. And your approach was a little bit different than mine. Your approach was more conversational. You were encouraging men. As you see mine, I was just like, okay, here's what scripture says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's what the Catholic Church teaches about masturbation. And here's how to free yourself from masturbation. And then I eventually 
made a video, you know, sort of talking, really yeah. talking about those those same points. But I like your approach and I like Joe's approach. Um, and that's why, you know, the diversity of, there's a, a diversity of how to talk about this subject, right? Yeah. And, you know, part of the part of the thing, too, is that because there's a diversity of approach, it's all hopefully going towards the same goals. So there are some people we know this, like I'm one of these people who like I need to be told something is right, something is wrong. And then my cleric side takes over and I go, OK, that's a duty. And I just you just got to stop. You know what I mean? Like you just got to do yeah. it. Um, there are the people who need really a lot of encouragement in here's resources, here's outlets, here's positive ways to express your masculinity without turning to your phone at night. Um, there's some, you know, I, I think a lot of it's built, of course, into the temperaments, uh, for sure. There's people who can read something. I, I um, Joe's book's great on this. Matt Frad's book is great on this, you know? So there's just a lot of, again, resources that, that we can really take to, to tell the culture, not just ourselves, but finally turn to the culture and go, as science is catching up where the church's position is, we find out how harmful pornography linked with masturbation really is. And we start saying, okay, well, congratulations. The church was right, obviously. Now here's the tools that we can really go forth and actually save more souls, not just Catholics who are already inside. Right, right, right. Cool. Well, let's bring let's bring Joe in, right? Let's get him. All right. So we'll be right back after this eight-second introduction to Talking Catholic. All right, we got Joe McLean on Talking Catholic. How you doing? Great, Hello, sir. Live. It's good to be on with you guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to talk about this top, um, subject we were talking um, before, um, before you came on about just the importance of this topic, the diversity of opinions on this topic, and um, you're an actual, you know, Jordan. He he's he's put out, I think, one of the best videos I think on the subject, really conversational. You know, I've Amen. been talking about this for, for 10 years on the, on the digital space, but you actually wrote a book and then we're doing like speaking about this all around the country. What got, yeah. you, what got you into this? Well, in 2000 and I think it was 2008, I was a part of a men's conference here in the Houston area. I was a part of the team and the team asked me to give a witness talk on uh, on my life. And I prayed about it. I had never, I've, I've been public speaking for a very long time, but I've never talked about pornography before, specifically my own pornography addiction at the, as a kid growing up. So I prayed about it and I really felt like the Lord was telling me to like, be very specific, be very bold in the proclamation. I had 16 minutes to give this talk. And, and so I kind of laid it out there really heavy and uh, you know, by my surprise, there was like a line of guys waiting for me to get off the stage and they were crying because for the first time in their entire life, they heard somebody call a spade a spade. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the, it's one of the uh, unwritten uh, tragedies of pornography addiction. It makes you believe that you are all alone, right? It, it fools you into thinking that, uh, that you're the only one who thinks this is a real problem. Everybody right, else is right. just fine. Look, look around, just look around. They're all smiling. They're happy. They're having a yeah. good time, right? You're the problem here. So you might as well just hide that and keep it to yourself. Just hold it all in. And when, when they, when you hear a man call it like it really is, boy, you feel free. You feel like someone finally spoke that, that deep hidden truth. And uh, so from that day on, I said, Lord, I don't care if it ever pays a dime. I don't care what it costs. I will spend the rest of my life telling this story to men in order for you to, to free them. 
And so he gave me many, many opportunities. I've traveled all over the country. I've traveled overseas. And for a while, I kind of got known as the porn guy. And uh, that was weird. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> okay. That was weird. But so one of the reasons why I wrote the book is I had a lot of, I had a lot of opportunity to tell my, my testimony of how I uh, encountered pornography as a very young boy and how that led to uh, addiction, that led to abortion, that led to tragedy in my life, uh, brokenness. But I rarely had the chance to stop and say, now here's the technique you can use to be free of it. Like right mm -hmm. now, you do this right now, I guarantee you'll be free. Like, Nobody ever gave me that chance. So I said, I, I'm going to write the book. This way, when I go to the conference, I can offer the book and uh, men will have an opportunity to be free. And what's funny about the book is so, you know, I'm not like a well-known public figure. So uh, I show up to a conference and, you know, Scott Hahn's table's over there and everybody's packed over there. They come um, by my my pathetic little table and there's like the porn <laughs> book on the table and they don't even touch it. They like just look down. Oh, and then they, they walk off because the shame factor is so high. So I usually before I give the talk, I don't like hang out near my table because I don't want to shame men into like thinking weird things. So okay. and then and then I give the talk and then they hear the testimony and then they they come for that book and it's a powerful thing. So uh, the book was meant to be easy. Like it's you. I think I used twenty two point font. I don't even know. But it's like right. massive, easy to read. Could read it in a in a in a night, let alone a weekend. Could implement it right away. Mm -hmm. Really, no excuses to have freedom immediately. That's that's the idea behind the book. Yeah, <clears throat> a lot of people have heard or seen you on um, Guadalupe Radio Network. You have a morning show there. I do. Yeah. And, um, you get opportunities to talk about it on your on your radio show. We have uh, on many occasions. I've had guests come on and we've talked about pornography addiction. Um, uh, one of my favorites is Mark Houck from the Kingsman Apostolate based in North Philly. Of course, Doug Barry's been on. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers has been on. I mean, we've had a lot of guys come on and talk about uh, pornography addiction, how it enslaves men and more importantly, how to be freed from it. So, um, you know, I, I like to talk about it more often. But unfortunately, with the news headlines and the scandals in the church, it's keeping me very occupied with other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, you know, Jordan, I we're excited to have you here. And so I know in the, in the secular space is weird because in the secular space, I, I like how Catholic men were here talking about this because in, in the secular space, the conversation goes a little like this. I'm going to play a video. And then after we come back, uh, we're going to start going through your, your book a little bit and um, support us talking and have a good conversation. But this is how this conversation kind of goes in the secular space. Well, I'll tell you this, though. I am never doing that again. What? You mean in your mother's house or all together? All together. Oh, like, oh give me yeah, a break. Right. Oh, you don't think I can? No chance. You think you could? Well, I know I could hold out longer than you. Care to make it interesting? Sure, how much? Hundred dollars? You're on. Wait a second, wait a second. Count me in on this. You? Yeah. You'll be out before we get the check. Okay, one more. All right, now, how are we going to monitor this thing? Well, obviously, we all know each other very well. I'm sure we'll all feel comfortable within the confines of the honor system. All right. Good. But are you still master of your domain? I am king of the county. 
You? Lord of the Manor. The question is, are you still master of your domain? I'm queen of the castle. There's a naked woman across the street. Where? Second floor from the top. See the window on the left? Wow. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be the easiest money I've ever made in my life. I'm out. I'm yelling at strangers on the street. Hello. You caved? It's over? You're out? Oh, my God. The queen is dead. I figured you'd cruise at least through the spring. There you go. <laughs> but what's crazy, what's crazy about that is that you know before I was like before I before I came into the church, I understood things about self control, um, in 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 at least um in, in the tools that the church gives us and um, it's prayer appealing to the Blessed Mother Mary and all these things, um, opportunities that we have for the turn to grace. That's kind of how I thought about masturbation. Like, okay, I I know I shouldn't be doing it. And so I'll try to stop, but it doesn't last very long. Mm, yeah. I, I call it the yeah. two-week tango for a lot of guys, you know what I mean? Where you get out of confession and you're ready to go to war, you know what I mean? And yeah. <laughs> especially of all the kind of sins, I think that what makes pornography and masturbation a particularly difficult one to tackle isn't just as is our lack of self-control in cases, but also I find that mm -hmm. it's a sin that's born a lot of times out of boredom. Which, sure. which for other sins, you know, some sins need different sorts of triggers. This one, uh, especially for men, it, it's completely about sloth, you know, and, and that's something yeah. that makes it difficult to entrench or to get out of. Yeah, there could be many reasons why guys get involved in uh, masturbation. They grew up that thinking it was normal because all their friends were doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, they were, uh, you know, uh, exposed to pornography addiction at a very young age. They could have been abused. Or as you say, it could uh, happen through just sheer boredom or experimentation, things of that nature, peer pressure. Um, and I think one of the other things that a lot of people forget about pornography addiction is the um, the aspects of chemical addiction. You know, I wrote in the book, I did a really quick chapter on the brain and how the mm -hmm. science in the brain works as far as pornography addiction goes. Uh, you know, dopamine is created in the brain, rightly so. It's supposed to happen. And I think it's fascinating when you look at the, the science in the brain because you see how God created your, your mind as a man to uh, act in a very specific way to the woman you're sacramentally bound to. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's an imprint that happens on the brain that creates these neural pathways. There's, a, there's an actual physical connection that happens in the brain where you are just you grow closer in intimacy to that one person but uh, i like to use the i don't have one here but i like to use the analogy of a cup a glass cup and imagine if i took my glass cup and i tried to hammer a nail into a board with it i would shatter that cup because it's not a hammer uh, yeah. when we we use something to do a thing that it's never designed to do we run the 
great risk of breaking that thing. Well, that's true for the body. It's true for the brain. So the brain's still going to create these pathways. It's still going to do these things with pornography, but that's a fiction and it's going to create brokenness instead of, of bondness, mm -hmm. right? So uh, the dopamine is created and men become addicted to that dopamine hit and they want more and more and more of it and they think it's no big deal. But, you know, this is part of the reason why pornography is a slippery slope and it can go from, you know, I was talking to uh, Shambra on my show not that long ago and he, he and I were discussing this. It could start with heterosexual pornography and very mm -hmm. quickly uh, end up in something much more base, uh, homosexual or otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, it's a really crazy thing, you know, the way the brain works. And a lot of those guys that are acting out of sheer boredom, they are playing with absolute fire because they, they're on this slippery slope and where they're going is not a good thing. So discipline is a big deal, but um, John Paul II in his book, Love and Responsibility, says so as a kid, I don't know, I was a convert. I was a Church of Christ kid. Yeah, uh, right. I went to, went to Sunday school, and I, and I never heard of things like theology of the body in Sunday school. Yeah. Nobody ever yeah. talked about you know, uh, sex outside of marriage or masturbation. These were like unspoken things. Nobody ever wanted to touch that, the third rail, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I never got any moral guidance one way or the other on that. And then I had a conversion experience, uh, April 2002, and I was on a wild, you know, ride. And um, someone introduced me to Christopher West in a talk called Marriage in the Eucharist. Yeah. And it was my first exposure to theology of the body, and I had never heard this stuff before. I got angry. I don't know about you guys, but I was angry. I was like, well, where the heck was this when I was in Sunday school? You felt, you felt cheated. <laughs> you felt exactly. I'm like, yeah. you know, I, I was passing out. Hustler magazines in, in Stahl Elementary in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, you know, and where was this? Where was the teacher to say to me, Have you ever heard of theology of the body? Where were you know the parents, the guidance, the mentors, the Sunday school teachers? Where they where nowhere to be found? I was angry for a while yeah. because nobody exposed me to theology of the body. Uh, it's so different than that video that you played really depicts, right? It's so otherworldly at first uh, you mm. feel um you just you think it's like a conspiracy theory right so anyway going back to john paul ii back when he was uh carol Wojtyla, and he was uh, a spry 50 some old year old in in krakow poland writing a book called love and responsibility again the 1950s where this man the celibate bishop says that men you should you should withhold your climax in order to to serve your spouse like that's the 1950s, mm -hmm. uh, you know, from a celibate bishop, like, holy smokes, you know, that's crazy talk right there. Uh, because he, he was recognizing that the act is a self-sacrificial act. It's a gift of self to another person. It's not what you can take from that person. Mm -hmm. It's how you give in order to create intimacy and bond so that you can create the foundation upon which life cannot just be uh, uh, pr proceed from, but rather be built upon, you know, mm -hmm. that foundation of man and woman in the sacrament of matrimony so that they could have that, uh, that solid base with which to grow. Uh, that's profound. That is truly profound. And uh, so I, I stole everything I knew in that book right from JP two. Okay, I just, I just <laughs> a good source. I plagiarized <laughs> him so badly, and uh, because I figured, why not just take from the best and just put it in there? But, we, but you start you start off in your book though. You talk about you have, I mean, it sounds like because your your book has it looks combative in the front, right? And your, your one of your first chapters is you're starting off 
with a, like a, a combat scenario of a person yeah. at war or they're in, a, in, in the area of conflict and they're being shot at. One of the first things you want to know, OK, where, where's where's those shots coming from? So that's one of the first. What's that, what does that mean? Knowing where the shots, how does that relate to? Yeah. Observation? So mm. I served in the Marine Corps, which is uh, the where I took the inspiration for the technique that I that I use to remain uh, absolutely uh, free of masturbation. Now going back to 2002 wow. and um, and essentially in the Marine Corps, every Marine no matter what your MOS is, is trained to be a rifleman. Okay, so we're all trained in combat. Uh, and when you're trained in combat, you're trained to react as muscle memory to being shot at or to be attacked. So uh, I took that concept and I thought, well, if I could apply that technique when someone's shooting at me, why can't I apply that same technique to the near occasion of sin, to a temptation mm -hmm. of any kind? It wouldn't really matter what it was. And, uh, and I said, okay, well, what would that look like? Well, you'd have to train for that. You'd have to prepare. And so then the thought occurred to me, you know, if I'm being honest with you, it's not as though it's a ginormous secret where those temptations are. It's not as though I don't know what apps, websites, you know, social media pages, post groups, you know, it's not as though I don't know the billboard that I drive by, the lady down the hall in the office, the, you know, that that particular lady that works at the coffee shop or what mm -hmm. have you. I, if I'm honest, I it's not a mystery. I know exactly where all of these points are. So imagine, imagine this: you're in your house, and uh, and there's a guy that pulls up out of your outside your house, and he's got a big old gun, like huge. He's got, he's got like a Joe Biden assault rifle, 45,000 round clip. And he's out there and he is like threatening you. He's like, come on out. Come on out, David. Come on out, Jordan. I'm going to kill you. Imagine that. And, uh, do you go out? Do you walk out that door? Um, or just like, just like, I'm going to like, like redneck style. I got your number. I'm going to come get you. Like, Okay, that happens in the movies, but not in reality, right? We we would be smarter than that. We would like go, okay, hold on. I could call the cops and keep my door locked. I could go get my firearm and, you know, and say, hey, I'm armed too. I could go out the back door and sneak around. Like I've got options. I don't have to do a frontal assault without a weapon. I don't have to confront the guy with the big old gun and just hope it all works out because it does in the movies, right? Yeah. Uh, so like we're smarter than that. So, so But the same scenario happens every day with men who ignore the fact that the guy with the gun is on their phone. You know, he is he is the 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 scandalous image that they're entertaining just briefly because uh, it's all fine. Right. It's all good. It, there's no harm in it. We're all we're all sexual creatures. So there's no big deal. And it's mm -hmm. really killing. It's a, it's an opportunity to kill the grace uh, in our life. Right. So it's killing our soul. So but, but we're smart. We know we know where those people are. We know that guy's going to kill us out there. Why do we why do we do the stupid thing and just keep going anyway when we can stop? We can be smart about it and we can realize that that's a dangerous situation. I have to go a different way. I've got to try something different. So yeah. that's the basis of the technique. And if we train, train to retain, what happens is it becomes muscle memory. So how does that actually apply? Here's the technique. Here's the secret. So you don't have to buy the book. You just listen to this and, <laughs> and you're good. So when I first started, so I had a mystical encounter with Jesus in April of 2002, it was a blue, blue sky day, sunshine, 
cool temperatures. It was gorgeous. I was living in New Hampshire at the time. And my mm. wife had just asked me to, to divorce to, for a divorce. I had just lost my job. She wanted a divorce because I had been abusing uh, pornography and, and I was a very destructive, self-destructive person, very uh, abusive to her family. It was, it was a pretty rough mm. situation. And uh, on this beautiful day in, you know, in the middle of a, a work day when I was you know, feeling pretty depressed, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ came to visit me mystically. And I didn't see him, but I had an interior locution and he put three things on my heart. The first thing he, he put on my heart was, you're going to be chased. And I'm like, is that Latin for something? I don't even know what that means. You know, I never even heard the word chased, uh, but he's like, you're going to you're going to pursue a virtue. You're going to pursue chastity. You're going to pursue uh, uh, like that um, purity. Right. Yeah. Not like mm -hmm. the chivalrous ideas of uh, of, you know, laying opening a door for a woman, but you're going to pursue holiness. Like without that, forget about everybody else for a second. If you're not holy, boy, that's it. Like that was the sentiment he put on my heart. Wow. And he did this then very quickly. And then the second thing he said to me was, um, you're going to fix your broken marriage. Mm. And he, he told me, he said, listen, uh, you're going to suffer, but I expect you to suffer for to fix that marriage. You broke it, you're going to fix it. And no matter what, no matter what she does to you, you're going to take it. Hmm. And he even said, don't speak, do. She won't listen to you. She won't believe you. Show her. Hmm. And then the third thing he put on my heart was uh, an insatiable, crazy desire to get to know him. You know, it's one thing for the God of the universe to like meet, you know, in these private mystical encounters. It's quite another to understand it and to know who that person is. And I realized that I had no clue. So I was uh, I was a crazy man from that point on to learn who this person was, this Jesus Christ. Because uh, mm. it's not like he said, I'm Jesus Christ interiorly. He just uh, he just present and there and is communicating and it's overwhelming. So um, that sort of started this whole journey going down this road. And, and so one month from that day, uh, I've landed a job. Praise be to Jesus. Um, I had asked my wife, well, like the like that day, I called my wife, and I and I told her what happened, and she cursed me out, and then hung up the phone, <laughs> and then I called her back, and I said, I'm going to church. Will you come with me? And she cursed me out. She hung up the phone, and then she went to church with me that Sunday, and uh, she hung on because in her heart of hearts. She had been a broken girl since she was a kid because her dad was mm. abusive and an and addic addict of various kinds. And um, in, her, in the heart of a woman, she wants to trust. It's her nature to give herself over to the man. But if the man is not, if the man is emasculated through pornography mm. addiction or other abuses, if the man is not a true man, well, she can't trust herself to that. And so she reserves and guards her heart. But it is her desire to want to give herself over to a man of God. So there is like a glimmer of hope that uh, that possibly, you know, I could, you know, fix this. That, I think is what she thought because she hung on. But I got to tell you, it was years of of dying on the cross. Years wow. of and still today, there's difficulties in our marriage. Um, but she never gave up, and that Lord remind the Lord reminded me constantly, never just talk show. And that became a, a, a big deal. So uh, the technique, and I, I promised to give the give away the book uh, and the technique so you don't have to buy the book. So here it is. One month from the day I got a job and I was in the office, I was an office job and I was surrounded by women. 
and uh, they they really weren't attractive women. Okay, they were like pretty homey, homely looking, uh, lovely ladies. No, no, no less. But it's not <laughs> as though happy. <clears throat> well, you know, it's not as though they were like you know dressing you know in a certain suggestive way or acting mm -hmm. in a certain suggestive way. Yeah. None of that was going on. No temptation. No, I, but I would break out in cold sweats, fighting for my immortal soul over a temptation to lust after these people. Mm -hmm. They didn't do anything to, to add or suggest. I simply was at war in my soul. The devil was going to snatch me away. But yeah. I did not have the equipment. I didn't have the training. I didn't have the knowledge to know what to do. So, so I would get up and walk out in the middle of work. I'm like, I got to go. And I would just walk out. And, and I would be like doing, I'd be pacing or in the bathroom or outside, mm -hmm. you know, and they're like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I just need a moment. I'll be back. Just give me a moment. Yeah. And, uh, so I, and I would do this. I would, my wife and I would be like at a convenience store, or a grocery store. And the same, something similar would happen. I turn around and I'd walk out and my wife was like, what is going on? Like you're up to no good. I'm like, I'm fighting for my soul. She couldn't understand. Mm -hmm. So then that was when I discovered theology of the body through Christopher West. And I, I began to read uh, Love and Responsibility, which I don't know if you've ever read that. It took me like a dozen times before it made any sense. Uh, and uh, and I, I began to learn the tools and the techniques. And so here's the technique. I made a promise that I would fight every single temptation. Okay. You don't always win the fights. But you can never win if you choose not to fight. Mm -hmm, so you got to okay. fight, right? Maybe you win more than you lose, but you don't know unless you fight. You've got to make the promise, and you got to say it out. Men, men have to say this out loud. You know, it, when we when we make something public or make something real, now we're accountable. So you know, I choose to fight. I choose to fight every temptation, and so uh, when the temptations would come and that, and JP two talks about it, he uses the metaphor of a surfer riding a wave <clears throat> at that first instant that the dopamine begins to rush in your brain and flow through your pores. Uh, you, uh, you have to attack at that moment. So I began to pray the Hail Marys and I would just repeat the Hail Mary over and over and over again until <laughs> the temptation passed. And in those early days, I was praying literally hundreds of Hail Marys all day long. I mean, just nonstop Hail Mary, please, you know, please, Our Lady, save me from this. Um, but JBT would go on to say in Love and Responsibility in the section on continence, that's a discipline. And you can't rely totally on it because one day you'll be tired. One day you'll be lazy. One day you'll be whatever. And you'll fail to do that discipline. And when you fail, bad things happen. So JP2 would say, you've got to not only do the discipline which of resisting, but you also have to turn your eyes the other way. You have to avoid that near occasion sin, actually physically get up and move if you have to. Mm -hmm. But he would also say, you've got to turn that moment on its head. And he said, ride the dopamine rush through your pores like a surfer on a, uh, a wave by reminding yourself of the dignity of that human person. So this works for men, women, people of same-sex attraction. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. That person is made in the image likeness of God. They deserve to be loved. The crucifix is love, right? The crucifix is love. They don't deserve to be lusted after they deserve to be loved. 
So it's the combination of all of that. And when you train yourself enough, it becomes muscle memory. So today I got to tell you, and I say this in all sincerity, I, I drive down the road and if there's like a, a billboard, cause you know how they use ladies to sell toothpaste, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's just like the female form is beautiful by design and they take advantage of it to, uh, to try to tempt us into marketing. <clears throat> so, uh, so I'll be driving down the road and I'll catch a glimpse out of the corner of my eye, a billboard, right? I will start saying the Hail Marys without even thinking about it. Like I, I just yeah. will catch myself. Oh, 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 wow. Oh yeah. That was the, the billboard back there. Or worse, how many times have you been sitting in, in a, at a mass Sunday homily past the preacher's preaching, you know, father's preaching, and uh, he says something that reminded you of something that reminded you of something that reminded you of, oh, my heavens, there's those images in my brain again. And you're fighting for your soul. Uh, you know, it's just like, so again, these moments can come up, but because you train, because you have the technique, you don't care. The enemy can come as he may. You're mm -hmm. going to fight. And with the technique, I guarantee you can win. It just takes discipline and uh, and obviously a lot of grace. And when I talk about, you know, how you, you magnify the technique in order to get maximum use out of it. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I, <clears throat> I completely get it, especially with, I, I find it's, it's with activity and it's with prayer. Um, I found it's almost annoying actually, because of how effective it is. Like St. Michael and our lady have me by the throat, but for me and my spiritual life, I know that my, if, if I could see my guardian angel, he too would just be wringing my neck, you know, and, and the probably be like, Oh my heavens, Jordan. Oh Again? my gosh. And yeah. you know, I, I was in Los Angeles for the past five years and oh, I'm wow. very, for the most part, vast majority in part, I'm very proud of my film work. I'm very happy with the projects that I worked on, but Los Angeles is not a city uh, conducive to chastity. It yes. is. It is not. Yeah, there, there was a giant, it yeah. was a, oh, I have to remember the billboard, this billboard uh, that would hang up in South Los Angeles. And it was this woman, full lingerie, everything. And I remember a major highway. And I was like, man, people drive past with their kids. Exactly. And they got to And they got to deal with this, you know? And yeah. it's like that. I mean, every single time I'd, I'd go down to that part of the world, I, it would just be a fashion Nova. That's what it was. Um, calling you out fashion Nova, fix your marketing. And, um, <laughs> you know, right. and I remember like I would, but again, it'd be so annoying because I knew like I'd have a temptation. I'd have like, okay, I need to get up. I need to go do something. I need to look away, whatever. St. Michael yeah. prayer. And almost instantly I could, I could feel the devil kind of being just kicked out. That's right. Um, and it, it doesn't. And one thing I talked about and what I realized is um, in the world that I inhibit and watching a lot of young men fall as slaves to their passions. And you talked earlier about how for women, of course, giving over to a man who is a slave to his passions, uh, it's an impossibility. You know what I mean? This yeah. isn't a guy who's going to, when push comes to shove, be next to you. I see that all over the place. And there are plenty of guys who escape into pornography and they tell you that it's fine, that it's normal. Culture tells us it's healthy, mm. that uh, we can use it as almost like a scientific tool, right? That otherwise you're going to have a boring, terrible marriage or any sort of relationship yeah. or whatever. And yeah. it's funny how, unfortunately, it's, it's taken millions of crushed souls and all the, the spiritual, psychological, physiological problems come with it for us to realize that the church has been right all the time. That, yeah. that there's a reason why this is, this is, uh, it's like contraception and just to evil because it, it's frustrating the, the marital embrace. And it makes a mockery out of something which God allows man and woman to do, which is to take in procreation and unity. Um, yeah. And so, you know, for me, it's like, I, I am constantly absorbing 
the great, especially now in my marriage prep and in my oncoming marriage, like absorbing mm. just the fantastic <clears throat> reality that God has done to give man as man and woman as woman. And for them to be united as man and wife. And once you realize that, you don't want to do anything to against your spouse. Um, and I love, I love how your book, and it makes sense from, from your background, of course, but I think just for the fact that spiritual warfare is real and we have to be soldiers, that part of our, our confirmation vow is that we become soldiers of Christ. And this yeah. means that we have to be able to pick up our armor, pick up our sword and do battle with the devil anytime that he threatens. And that means, yeah, the ceaseless activity. That means praying as many aves as you can get in. That means sometimes taking the long way around the coffee shop because you know you want to look yeah. at the hot barista. Like it doesn't make yeah. it easier, but it makes it right. Or uh, when you travel, like I have to do many times, not turning the television on in the hotel room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can tell you uh, how much that can suck the soul away from, you know, <laughs> I, I saw I saw someone put a comment on there about Las Vegas. I mean, I've been to Las Vegas one time. I don't ever want to go back. Oh, the, uh, cards. the I mean, you have cards. You got these porn cards that are just mm -hmm. littered all over the street. You got prostitutes in the in the gambling halls and you have to go through yeah. the hall to get to the elevator to go up to your room. I Okay, I was there going to a conference. Just, just want to say that out loud. I was there <laughs> covering tracks. Uh, wow. Covering my tracks. I was there for the NAB conference a couple of years ago, and it was a great conference. But man, it was like you could feel the spiritual war. It was so mm -hmm. thick, you could cut it with a knife. I mean, yeah. uh, that was crazy. But I lived in Hawaii in my time in the Marine Corps, and like Los Los Angeles. You know, it's a place where, you know, people tend to dress with very little on, you know, all yeah. the time. And I was into the club scene and all of that stuff. And mm -hmm. it got me into a lot of trouble, it led to abortion and many other, uh, you know, evils and, and brokenness that I committed. So yeah. uh, it's a very difficult and precarious situation. I think part of the reality is looking back, thinking back of the video you played, David, um, we have to realize that the gift of human sexuality is not a toy to be played with. Right. It's not recreation time. Yeah. It's yeah. not recreation time. And the freedom that God gives us, he gives it to us so that we are free to do the right thing. You know, I was, I was just tonight, I was reading in first Peter, I think it was chapter two, verse 16, you know, don't use your freedom to commit evil. That's what St. Peter says. Um, and I think a lot of Catholic or even Protestant uh, couples will somehow convince themselves that their intimate relationship because they're married is somehow still okay to be a toy, to be a recreation. And it is not, right? It is not. And we have to live chaste within our marriage. And here's mm -hmm. one thing I will, I will say that I tell guys, and it freaks them out. When I was addicted to pornography and I was living a very uh, loose lifestyle, especially when I was in the Marine Corps and I was less better, less good looking as I am today. But back oh, in yeah. those days, I, you know, <laughs> Leviticus 316, the fat belongs to the Lord. I'm just going to say that out loud. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> the judgment is coming. Yeah. I, you don't, you don't want to be like, you know, confused. Okay. So, but back in the day when I used to, you know, uh, play around at night inappropriately, um, you know, I would, I would have these uh, illicit relationships they were never satisfying. Like, like mm. pornography use, you use pornography. You're looking for uh, satisfaction. Oh, you yeah. never find it. Yeah. You're left with your shame yeah. in the encounter. You're left with a hole. You don't find that, that satisfaction. 
when you when you live chaste in a marriage, in a sacramental marriage, where your gift of human sexuality is poured out for the benefit of the other spouse, and they to you, this is a mutual self-sacrificing gift. Boy, it is it is just a thousand times better just on the uh, on the material physical level, let alone the spiritual level, when you invite God into that moment to give you and your spouse that opportunity to be intimate and to and to create that bond. And uh, pornography dulls the senses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Chastity enlivens the senses mm -hmm. in a in a in a uh, sacramental marriage. So it's like the it's like the opposite is true of what the world thinks of what. You know Seinfeld, and they and they were thinking about it. It's like they're enslaving themselves to this, as if I've got to go do this thing or else. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. what are yeah. you? Yeah. Are you a yeah, robot? That's, that's exactly what it is. It's a form of slavery. And um, so we're here on Talking Catholic uh, with my co-host Jordan Pacheco from the Glad Trad Podcast, and we got Joe McLean. You see him on um, Guadalupe Radio Network. He's the author of the book we're talking about here. Let me put a. It's muscle memory beating the presentation. Right. He just ran through the book. If um, you guys are tuning in a little bit later, um, you could go back to the beginning. He pretty much just gave us the book for free. Yeah, don't <laughs> buy it. Don't buy it. And so now we're just having a really a, a good conversation about this. And I was thinking about I was thinking about I like what you said, Joe, about riding the waves. Because for me, it was never I was never the the porn guy, right? It was never that was never really my poison. My poison was years and years of um just being with women and i had those memories in my head it was right yes. in my memories <laughs> you yeah, know exactly. now, that yeah. was my issue i didn't have to turn to one of these websites or, or videotapes you know i had plenty yeah. of material in my head so i like mm -hmm. the idea of writing ways but and, but jordan you talked about this in, in your video too and so i want to get your input on this after jordan talks about it but jordan you talked about um when we're talking about self-control, you're talking about in your video, you talked about how there's apps out there. There, you call them inhibitors. Mm -hmm. How does how does apps, how do these inhibitors work on your phone or whatever? Yeah. So first I have to mention that as much as if they want to sponsor me, I'm more than happy to. Uh, I am not being paid by <laughs> something like Covenant Eyes, although I hope that I I will happily take that. But you know, I think that for uh, us as men, you know, there's there's moments where you have an I'm done moment, but it doesn't mean that the temptation subsides. And mm. um, again, there's plenty of resources in books and in, and in apps now that are really tackling, uh, even curbing the potential of pornography, or at least reducing it greatly, I should say. And so I'm saying that uh, something like Covenant Eyes is an inhibitor. So what Covenant Eyes is, does is two things. Um, there are other apps that do this, by the way. Safe, Search, uh, Safe Surfer, I think, is one of them that's, that's very mm. good. Um, but Covenant Eyes has worked the best for me. The biggest thing that it does is it gets you an accountability partner. And all this is, is it's it's like all the websites that you visit, all the incognito mode you think you're getting around, all it does is it takes a screenshot and it takes a, a website report and it sends it to another person. And you can't what? doctor, tailor, or or change that in any sort of regard. So Rudy, yeah. my my co-host uh, on the GladTrad podcast, uh, he's my, he's my uh, accountability partner. And so every week there's a little report happening and it lists out different websites uh, there if they're like serious risks, moderate risks, no risk. And then it also takes random screenshots from all. No app is safe. Nothing is safe. Right. So, um, you know, uh, it will just be like, yeah, this is what Jordan was looking at. And, uh, you know, you can you can tell. And it's and what it does is it it subconsciously just takes, I would say, a lot of that temptation away just because, you know, you're going to get caught. 
And if you think you can skirt around, I'll tell you, everyone here, if you think you can skirt around by incognito mode, if you think that you can use an internet proxy site, they don't work as far as coming to Isaac, which is awesome. I'm saying, you know, right now, this is why it's so good because I'm a look, you know, temptation, temptation. I'm a tinker and I'm like, this is really, really solid. Has been extraordinarily helpful for me. Um, so I think that for every every man, but certainly for every young man, especially a single young man who know that time, that pornography is their like mortal sin of choice. Um, mm. It's not enough just to make that obvious nece- necessary conversion back to the Lord and spur off pornography. Get yourself some reinforcements. And if there's an inhibitor out there that works for you, I highly encourage you to get it. Yeah. Amen. Um, I talk about needing an accountability partner in the book as well. And Mm -hmm. I tell guys, make it your wife. Now, in many Mm -hmm. cases, the guys might be like, I've never told my wife. She Uh doesn't know. Listen, pray about that. Talk to your spiritual director, get some advice. But here's the rationale for it. Uh, I know it could be a very difficult and uh, uncomfortable situation for men to have their spouses, their accountability partner. However, I argue who else on planet Earth is supposed to sacramentally love you so much that they would sacrifice themselves to get you to heaven. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. well, if you think it's your priest, you're wrong. Okay, that ain't gonna happen. If you think it's your mom and dad, you might be close, but it's your sacramental partner in marriage that is the only other human being on planet Earth whose job it is under God to get you to heaven, to pray you mm-hmm. there, to help sacrifice to get you there. So who has your best interest at heart more than that person? I argue no one. Uh, so uh, I say this is a great person to use as your accountability partner. And so for, in our case, like, see, the book was written, I think, in, in 14. So mm-hmm. some of the resources are a little dated in there, but Covenant Eyes is among the list I put in there. Um, but I gave my wife, she has all the passwords to everything. Yeah. Uh, computers for the, for the first several years, no computer was, was private. No, no computer was in a back room. Mm-hmm. You know, thankfully we didn't have smartphones at the time. So it made that uh, easier to give complete transparency. But my wife has the authority, the power, and she feels she takes it very seriously uh, mm-hmm. to at any time she wants, grab my device, uh, log onto my computer, do whatever she wants. She can go through anything and everything. And, and for many years, that's exactly what she did. She'd stay up all night long, reading every text, every email, looking at social <laughs> spreads. She was, she, I mean, she's better than the IRS, you know? So yeah. um, don't give Jen any ideas. I know it, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, somebody, somebody asked you early, asked that question earlier to someone, I'm thinking Ray and Ray, you're, um, you've joined my, my YouTube channel. Appreciate you guys joining. And Tara Lewis, you just joined my YouTube channel. Appreciate you guys. But um, Ray had asked you earlier, um, are you married? She meant ask Jordan. Ask Jordan, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, so the answer is no, not yet. I am seven months right now until my marriage, which is June 5th. Um, wow, so I am I am the, uh, yeah. So I'm in pre-Cana. I'm engaged. I'm betrothed as well. And so for me, a lot of, a lot of, Determ- uh, not determined, but a lot of bringing this to the table is the fact that I don't want to enter my marriage as a slave to my passions. Amen. And, you know, I, I love how, I love how um, your wife's your accountability partner. Um, you know, when, when Jenna and I get married, we'll be combining everything too. And I'll hand her all the keys. And even now, right, if she wants like to search anything, like I'm an open book, but um, you know, I remember early in our relationship, you know, cause I, I had had covenant eyes on my phone and, you know, she mm-hmm. looked down one day, she's like, Hey, what's that? You know? And I was like, Hey, let me, let me tell you something, right? Like I have this, this is why I have this. And that's because I don't want to, I, I don't want to enter a relationship 
with a woman and really be committing a sort of infidelity on you. Yeah, like, I'm not. I'm not interested in saying that I love you, except uh, every Friday night. In which case, I'm going to for two hours just be out the face of the earth and completely <laughs> lust after the women. Right? Like, that's, and that's wow. precisely what yeah. pornography that does. Just sounds, so, that just sounds weird, right? What, yeah. What you put it? <laughs> yeah, but that's but that's what it is, right? It's like I'm gonna love yeah. you 99 mm. out of 100 days. About I know. See what that sounds like. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, I love you so much. I, I give you everything except for mm-hmm. on Fridays at nine p.m. And then that, <laughs> that's the only time. Outside yeah. of that, you have you have almost everything. That's deep. Exactly. That's deep. Yeah. You know, and I I mean I I love because it's completely true. Like as your spouse, as a spouse, you are you are making a vow before Almighty God to get your husband, get your wife to heaven. Amen. Uh, that you are going. That this person is not just another entity living in your house, and now you guys can have sex that's okayed by God. But this person right. legitimately is flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone. And mm-hmm. you know, as we're kind of as we're kind of coming to this uh, in our pre cana, I'm realizing like as as what it means for that authentic Catholic masculinity to really you know prevail to be a proper oriented and and godly head of my household means yeah, I can't bring sl- sins. Uh, of myself, I can't put that on my wife. I can't make that her burden. And I don't want that to be. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you're completely right about there is this great freedom with uh, with being off pornography. Mm. Uh, it, 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 and it's it's spiritual, but there is such, there is really a true mental clarity. There's a really true physical, spiritual kind of sharpness. And it's, it, you know, um, in, in the no-fat community, which is secular, they talk about this like this like raw energy sort of thing. And, you know, it's, it's completely true. And I, I think that if more guys just get that opportunity, um, they really, really get a chance. And uh, if I can just address Major's question here, um, like I don't have a wife right now, obviously. Um, and so I would say that, and maybe you could speak to this, both of you, but it, like, it's like, we don't just get married just to relieve like sexual tension or something, <laughs> right. you know, like yeah. a wife is not yeah. like, you don't, if you're a slave to pornography before marriage, it doesn't seem to get cured after marriage, judging by divorce rates and factors that put onto it. So the yeah. answer is, is to get off pornography, to get off masturbation, yeah. to stop going down the road to hell for the sake of your wife. Sure. But also because that's as precise the man that God wants us to be. Yeah, amen. And it's very true. There's a there's a deeper reality here that is it seems contrary to the way the world thinks about human sexuality. Um, you know, I I'll, to illustrate this, I'll share with you. Back in I think 2004, when I was going through this process, I read an article and college you as I wish I still had access to this article, but the essential uh, point of the article was there was a woman who in the 60s burned her bra in the sexual revolution mm-hmm. and was so like, oh, yes, uh, casual sex for everyone. And that's freedom. freedom. Women will finally be free from the tyranny of men and controlling men. Uh, so that was her premise in the 60s. And so fast forward to the early 2000s. She wanted to see what was the fruit of her labor in the sexual revolution. So what she did was she traveled around the country, visiting college campuses and interviewing young men and young women and about their sexual behaviors. And what she discovered scared her because what she discovered was the women were putting themselves in horrific sexual situations Mm -hmm. in order to capture the attention of young men. Because the young men preferred fantasy to reality. They wanted the porn over the real relationship with the girl. 
Oh, yeah. So the girl was competing with a fantasy, and what she realized was that women can't actually compete with a fantasy. Like, uh, so it, even like in uh, marriage situations where a wife catches her husband using porn, well, Okay, if she caught him uh, cheating on uh, her with another woman, she could confront the woman. She could slap the woman. She could slap the man. Mm -hmm. She can't slap pornography. She can't yeah. do anything about pornography. Right. She is powerless, right. and yeah. she feels destroyed inside like she's never going to be good enough. And it is, it's a two-for-one special for the devil. And, uh, and so it's very evil in reality. And so, uh, when you, and there was, oh, what was that movie out of darkness? Um, Shelly Lubin, uh, the, uh, God rest her soul, actually, Joseph Schomburg and I discussed, uh, cause he's, he was friends with her, but when she did that documentary film, um, where she was a porn actress and she like pulled back the veil and you think these people are having a good time, their lives are wreckages mm -hmm. of drug abuse, of brokenness and psychological, emotional abuse. I mean, it's a, it's a big, huge mess. So I think as men, we have to remind ourselves that we, aren't, we weren't created to be enslaved by our disorder passions. You know, you drink too much, you become a drunk. You do drugs, you can become an addict. If yeah. you use your sexual gift in a way that it was never designed, it's going to break and the wreckage yeah. will ruin your life and the people around you. Yeah. So you're not, you're not, you don't, you don't have a sexual tension that you have to relieve. You have yeah. to live chaste according to your vocation in life. And, uh, and when you're in a marriage, you still don't get the freedom to just uh, abuse each other as if they're toys, their bodies are toys, but they're the gift of human sexuality is meant to bring couples together to form the bond and mm -hmm. to be the foundation for which life can proceed. So this is the reality that JP2 says that we have to remind ourselves of when we're feeling those temptations that the gift of sexuality is a beautiful as I think I love the way Scott Hahn puts it, you know, sex isn't just good. Frosted flakes are good. You know, sex isn't just great. You know, I don't remember how the cereals were. Cocoa puffs are great. No sex is sacred. Yeah. It is holy. It's holy. Yeah. It is holy. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the reality. I think men have to remind themselves of. Yeah. And Joe, before I mean, before you you're pulling, you're pulling right from John Paul, I mean that's that's a beautiful. And I think one thing he he talks about also from um from the creation account is that you know man wasn't created for himself, but masturbation is the most selfish act. Yes, <laughs> I mean um, yeah. homosexuality is is another one, but masturbation is is selfish. And you and the man is saying I believe it's really antithetical to what creation is all about. We weren't created for self; we we're created for for other and for. for People are called to marriage. You're created for your spouse. But I want to get to this question from Mary Maggie. She's been beating up in. She's been tearing up the the com box about this. And so apparently there there's some wives who don't want to know their husband's business. I guess because um, Maggie's like she's she's posted this comment in several different ways. She's like, find another man, long for the Lord to hold you accountable. The wife does not need to notice. So maybe <laughs> are there wives that don't need to know this part of their husband's life or something? I don't know. Yeah, because of the difficulty, the pain, the shame, the just the, 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 the again, the difficulty of the situation. I could very much see, Mary, that there'd be many women who might feel the same way uh, and just not want like out of sight, out of mind. You know, we don't some of us don't want to confront the very difficult uh, part of this. And I can appreciate that. Um, that's why I say. I believe the spouse is your best accountability partner for the reasons I stated earlier. 
But I would also encourage, especially men, to pray about it, to go to a spiritual director, to ask mm -hmm. you know for some advice. And before they and they because there is a there is a principle here where let's say the wife doesn't know <clears throat> by revealing this uh, this situation, uh, he could actually end up doing more harm, which is why he needs a counter. He needs a spiritual director to guide mm -hmm. him through this process and to understand the nuance of the situation, especially as his wife's uh, uh, sensibilities are concerned. Um, but I think that there should be no secrets in a marriage. I think that there should be no hindrances in a marriage. I like transparency because uh, the devil likes shadows. The devil likes yeah. darkness, and uh, he and it's the light of Christ that uh, that heals, and the truth will set us free. So um, again, with caution, and I'm certainly no expert as far as marriage goes. Trust me, ask my wife; she'll tell you all about it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I do still hold fast to I think that the spouse is the greatest accountability partner there is. Given the right circumstances, of course. Which one you guys want to take a look at? What, what Christy Christine says here. Oh, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, so I'm not, I, I'm not married, so this might not be the. Yeah, um, I can answer. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Kristen asked a great question here. Unfortunately, a very common one. It happened to me, by the way. My wife did uh, this. Uh, happened with my wife and I, and of course, this mm. was part of the reason why my wife asked me to divorce me in 2002. Says I walked in on my husband masturbating to porn. How should I have handled that situation? Uh, it goes on to say I was embarrassed as he was, so I just acted like I didn't see it. Um, yeah, and I'm sorry you you had that experience. I'm sorry for the embarrassment and the shame of it. You're not alone. It does happen. And, uh, you know, and it could be a really good thing that this moment occurred um, in the sense that the opportunity to heal, the opportunity to seek God's grace, the opportunity to uh, to correct something that could be far more devastating to your marriage. So how should you handle it? Well, you have to talk about it. You can't pretend like it didn't happen. You're going to have to have the conversation. Uh, you're going to want to know, uh, you know, what, what is the situation here? Um, how bad is this situation? What kind of, what level of help do we need to, to, uh, achieve? I, you know, I, I'm very blessed in the Houston, Texas area. We have a wonderful, solid Catholic, uh, counselor, uh, therapist and psychologist. And so we have a wonderful resource and I always send people to that, to him, uh, because he is just fantastic. In fact, I included him on my documentary film. Uh, I made a documentary film where I shared my story, my broken story about pornography addiction, and I shared some other stories. Deacon Harold's in it. Doug Barry's in it, et cetera. You can find it. It's free. Anybody, anybody can see it right now, livinghislife.net. But uh, if you had a Catholic counselor near you, and if you don't have one near you, there are over-the-phone or Zoom uh, meeting opportunities. Uh, More to Life, which is a, an apostle out of Steubenville, Ohio, they, uh, they do that sort of over-the-phone counseling, marriage counseling. I would recommend that. But ultimately, pretending as though it didn't happen is not going to help your marriage. In fact, it could lead to something worse, which you don't want. You know, when when I had my mystical encounter with Jesus, I, I grew as a little boy, four years old, I experienced my father's pornography. By eight, mm. I had my own collection. I was passing it around school. Okay. By a teenager, I'm 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 having multiple sexual relations all the way through high school. In the Marine Corps, again, as many re relations as I could possibly uh, achieve. And then of course that led to abortion, to me murdering a child. Uh, and and breaking a, a young woman who was desperate for some man to give her a choice. I gave her only one, and that was abortion. 
And uh, it's a lasting wound that, that uh, the devil likes to remind me of. And thank God for the grace of the sacrament of reconciliation. However, if, if we don't deal with the difficulty now, it could get worse. So again, I go back to our role as parents. I go back to our role as husband and, and wife. In my home, I made that decision after my mystical encounter with Jesus that in my home, my children will never experience the uh, pornography. They will never they will never find that pornography or be exposed to it because of me. I will never expose them. Now they grow up, they become adults. You know, they got to stand on their two feet. But for me in my house, I shall serve the Lord. That was the commitment I made. And mm -hmm. uh, and as a spouse, I say, uh, dear Kristen, you are the one that God has uh, has has put in a place sacramentally to suffer and to love your spouse to all the way to heaven. And so the greatest act of charity for you, for your, for your, for your marriage and for your children, if you have children would be to deal with that situation. Even it was difficult. Now that comment that was just up there, I think that was my wife. What was she, she was saying uh, that Joe McLean has no idea what he's talking about. Please don't listen to him. What is that? <laughs> what is that? What is she saying? This is the, this is, is wife. Oh, Michelle McLean. This yeah. is my wife here. So, hello, yeah, Madam McLean. She says, actually, in all aspects of our sacramental union, we ought to be headed to the cross together, and that can look like and mean many different ways. So, yeah. I think she's referring to the amount of suffering she endures in our in our relationship. I think is what yeah. she's saying. And I had um I had um one one of my cousins you know I think and I I would say that men any man who has like an addiction to to masturbation pornography if you're not caught yet by your wife you're gonna get caught I think I think <laughs> all of us have have been I have yeah. you know, my first my my, my my civil marriage I was I mean the the back back then you had CDs so CD in a CD player big screen TV wife walks in and that's how it happens everybody's embarrassed. But I will say, you know, my cousin, she, you know, she, she used to, she used to um, talk to me about her husband who, you know, they wouldn't even have relations because he was, his relations was with whatever he was watching on his phone or TV. That was who basically he had brought another, I think this is what you do when you're married, you, you bring another person into your marriage mm -hmm. and you're, it's adultery. Mm -hmm. You have this relationship. Sometimes with these multiple women, um, and, and so that's it's, it's adultery. So you bring another person into your marriage, and so it is. I, I, it is cheating. It's adultery to me. Yeah. And and so and so that has to be put out there. That's why you know why Joe was saying you have to have this conversation. This is this is sin. This is adultery. So you have to have this conversation. And so a lot and so a lot of marriages are affected by that because you know the man might not want to have sex now. He he can't get up or whatever. Mm -hmm. he, he's having ED issues. No, he's not having ED issues. He doesn't need a blue pill for this. He needs to get off of porn. Exactly. So yeah. there, there's that aspect. Also, um, and you know, a lot of you know, I used to tell my cousin, you know, that it's it's not about you. You know, she's feeling hurt that you know, what am I doing wrong? Am I not sexy enough? Am I not yeah. dressed enough? Do mm -hmm. I need to go get some lingerie? You know, is he cheating? You know, is is, is you no, know, is this cheating? You know, this pornography, does he want now? Is he gonna go get somebody else? So it's it's you know so that's why you know Joe is saying man you gotta have these conversations yeah it's gonna yeah, be yeah. tough conversations but this is adultery it just and is. you know you know part of part of the thing too is that um, this is an issue that that a lot of men take up because statistics you know show that you know, they say ninety eight percent of men I think it's one hundred percent of guys have been exposed uh, and have done pornography linked with masturbation I think nowadays with how easy of access we have to the internet 
it, it's a thing. But also, this is something that affects women very directly too. Not mm. just in the not just in the aftermath, which is a husband or a, or a fiance or someone like that who struggles with pornography addiction. But there are there are higher rates of women who are exposed to pornography earlier and who themselves are addicted to pornography. And to this point about women, um, they do your wife does become in competition with a porn star because. Mm. You again, like I, I said this in my video, but it's like marriage is hard work, and, and I still have seven months to go before I even am married. You know what I mean? You both have been are married, so it's like in order to be married as a faithful Catholic, like I have to cultivate a friendship and a relationship properly with a woman. I have to do that all inside the bonds of Christ's church and His teachings. I have to, you know, get engaged, get betrothed, go through pre can. I have to be willing to lay down my life. Her, you know, I have to be willing to sacrifice everything. Oh, and by the way, I'm not just like the tyrant of my household. You know, I can't just snap my finger and have all my whims <laughs> accomplished. So there's a lot of, so if a guy looks at that, you know, that's a lot of steps of right fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, he's going to go, no, nah, never mind, because I can for 10 minutes go get my rocks off and I don't even need to uh, ask her if she wants eggs or something. Right. And, right. and that's, yeah. that's a choice. And that's what I mean. When there's a lot of young men, um, uh, Glink has a great video about OnlyFans nowadays, right? Which has really sucked in a lot of of women, girl next door kind of types, into the fact that they can be a, a porn star instantly. The community kind of a democratization yeah. of the porn industry, and what makes it all the more damaging is now we're getting all these stories about women who went in, uh, got sucked in, were doing more and more hardcore thing, completely destroy their relationships, completely destroy their family lives, and are just you know essentially just. The, the the lustful fantasies of guys who themselves get ruined, who don't hold down relationships, who are lonely. I mean, the, the extreme loneliness that pornography yeah. addiction really induces and mm. how many people choose that, that fantasy, that sinful fantasy, instead of doing what's arduous, but doing what's right and cultivating ourselves as better husbands, as better fathers, as better lovers, as better soldiers for Christ. Um, yeah. You know, in my book, I talk about that that other thing that guys don't like to talk about openly or publicly, and that is we, when we're addicted to pornography and we become emasculated and our brain is so transformed by this uh, drug, dopamine, that when we look at other people, we don't see people, we see objects to consume for personal pleasure, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and it sounds weird, but it's very true. Those, those humans, they're not human. And, and it, yeah. this applies to so many things more than just sexuality, right? So when I rationalize, when I look across and I see uh, somebody and I, I rationalize that they aren't quite human, I can treat them any way I want, right? So they could be anything from a sexual object to a slave to uh, any, really anything. And I think the reality is when JP2 says you must turn that moment on its head to see the dignity of the human person, I think that's profound because it's greater than just that one sexual act. It's an entire life. It's a lens through which you see the whole world, the dignity of the human person. And to realize that the human, human person is so beautiful, so incredible that you can't cheapen them in any way, mm-hmm. shape or form, whether it's sexuality or otherwise. And, uh, and this is what people have to remind themselves of. When I masturbate, I abuse not just myself, 
but I abuse everybody around me because that masturbation is not an isolated event. It mm -hmm. affects my psychology. It affects my spirituality, my relationship to God. And you can't do that and not at the same time harm relationships of everybody around you. So uh, when we succumb to our disordered passions, we enslave ourselves and we destroy those relationships around us. Oh, no, my wife's saying, oh, it's just oh, yeah. really we're have to just go get your wife a camera, just bring her on the <laughs> yeah, show. Bring her in. What are you doing? Come on up, Michelle. You can join the conversation <laughs> with the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> she says, um, I did not handle this gracefully, nor did I want to pray for our marriage or him. At first, I wanted out. And this pain, I'm sorry, Jeff, this natural wife's voice, you know, Let her in. better at this than but I am. <laughs> in this pain, I encountered Christ in a way that was new for me. I very slowly learned my self-worth in God's eyes and my own brokenness. I had allowed my self-worth to be determined by someone else's, not just my husband, but other people in my life over the years. Once I sought after my true self-worth in Christ, healing, grace and strength began to help me, um, help me us through. Um, I mean, she kept typing. It's not enough. It wasn't enough. For, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, so, go ahead, Jordan. Oh no, no, please. What you were gonna say? I was just gonna reiterate that the, the necessity to remind ourselves because I saw a comment before uh, about a teacher, a theology teacher, in high school. He, he, he discouraged because more students didn't don't know that masturbation is sinful. Mm. And, you know, and if we don't change the way we see the world, of course, we'll never see it as sin, right? Uh, maybe it was Rick that said that. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. This is the one right here. It seems it may seem crazy, but as a Catholic high school theology teacher, I'm always saddened by how many students do not even know masturbation and porn are sinful actions. Yeah, and uh, they're not sinful because uh, old guys in in uh, cassocks in Rome have said so. They are sinful because they kill God's grace in our soul and therefore separate us from from uh, from salvation itself, and it, it destroys us as slowly, little by little, it eats away, and then of course that destroys relationships around us. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna, I know this one. This one's contentious, and I, I like, I like uh, Mary Maggie's passion. Uh, well, what did she one, say? But, I missed it. But as one who's going through pre-cana uh, and one who who's really getting injected with a very traditional way of sacramental marriage, uh, it seems to me like. As husband and wife, you are one flesh. And I think it's, we, Jen and I just learned about our temperaments. And that's been extremely helpful for communication because we react to things very differently. But one thing I think is important as a husband and a wife is that you are a cohesive unit. You know, the guns are always pointed outward into the world. You know, you are, your purpose is to be united under Christ and the purpose of bringing forth children. And mm. I, as husband, as head of the household, as one who has sworn to God to defend my wife in all regards, as, you know, as my equal in all regards, I need to know her proclivities. I need yeah. to know how to protect her best and the vice versa. It seems to me like if I, you know, if Jen and I don't have conversations about what my virtues are, what my strengths are, and what my weaknesses are, then we do have a point where we're going to come to an, an issue. And I'm like, well, where did that come from? So it's not mm. a comfortable conversation. You as married men certainly know that, you know, I'm sure yeah. that there's gonna be plenty of that in my own life. Right. But it seems like if, you know, if you do, you know, I see that Mary's thing is what if the script got flipped? Yeah. If you walk in on your wife self-abusing or something, it's going to be one heck of an uncomfortable conversation, but of course you have to have it. Of course you have to know uh, how to love your wife enough to keep you guys as a coherent unit under God. I don't want to just bum my wife's virtues or sins or anything off on somebody because at the end of the day, my duty as husband should be to get her to heaven. As you said, exactly. Joe. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not, it's, it's, I think it's extremely important, especially with this issue, to have male camaraderie. 
I think and I think the, that yeah. I was gonna yeah, say these sins have grave uh, grave character to them. So they're very serious issues. These are sins that mm -hmm. could lead to uh, bad things like marriages being destroyed. You you got to deal with them. You have to you want to deal with them in a healthy and charitable way, but you got to deal with them. You know, I've had many times where I've traveled and spoke and given my testimony and women will come up and uh, and they'll say, but you don't know my husband. My husband's mm -hmm. really bad. He's just like really bad. He's 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 abusive. He does this or that or the other thing. And what should I do? You, you know, what do you want me to do now? And I will say, well, I definitely don't want you to be abused. Okay. So if yeah. you're being abused, you're going to have to separate because you shouldn't be abused or your kids. I will say that. Mm -hmm. I said, however, I think what we have to avoid is that that temptation to run off, get the divorce because you deserve better. That's what the world says. You deserve mm. better because, and, and you do deserve better. I don't disagree with that. But however, again, going back to our role as sacramental partners, Again, who else on planet Earth has has that obligation to help them get to heaven other than the spouse? So I say, you know what? If you if you leave these people, if you ignore this obvious issue and you don't deal with it, and they end up dying in a mortal sin and going to hell, boy, that's that's a serious thing that we're gonna have to participate in the judgment on. Like, how much were we culpable for that? Yeah. So I say this in a situation where your spouse is committing these sins. And you feel like you shouldn't be a part of that accountability process. Okay, um, great. Are you praying? Are you fasting? Mm -hmm. Are you doing acts of great penance until your spouse is brought back, you know, into a state of grace? Until your spouse is strengthened for the fight? You know, what did, I say to many women, or I've even had... Uh, uh, parents say, well, my, my son is addicted. What do I do? And, and, you know, in fact, there was a one occasion. I love this story. There was one occasion where this woman reached out to me. She's like, my, we caught our son using pornography. So we immediately took away his computer and cut off the internet. And I'm like, preach it. That is, I said, you've already done way more than most. That is awesome. She goes, you have no idea. My son built a computer out of spare parts and hacked the neighbor's Wi-Fi. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she says, I don't know what we're going to do. That's so dope. Is that, that dopamine. He was going to be satisfied. That's exactly. dopamine. And she like, said, I don't know if you guys remember, Dave, Dave Chappelle had his episode with um, Rick James. Rick James. No, it was Rick James, I think. Rick he kept James. saying, cocaine is a hell of a drug. The fact that cocaine has on a mind, yeah, you, right. I mean, it, it's dopamine in porn and is, is even yeah. stronger than yeah. that. So the thing is that there's no, you know, with cocaine or whatever, there's a pill you could take to mitigate it. There's no, I don't yeah. know if there's a pill to get off of masturbation. I don't know. Yeah. Grace and discipline and the sacraments. But so, so I told this woman, she goes, she's like, I don't know what we're going to do. I said, well, uh, what do you mean? She goes, well, he's he's 18. He's going to graduate high school in a month mm -hmm. and he's going to go off to college. And I'm like, well, why are you sending him to college? She goes, what do you mean? He's got to go to college. I go, the man is addicted to pornography. You send him to college, he will leave the faith and, and he could die in a mortal sin. What are you doing? I said, send him to the Juco down the road and make him come home every night until the boy is prepared to stand on his own two feet and mm -hmm. face the world as a man. You can't do that. You have a role to play. You've got an obligation. So, and I would say to wives, um, moms and dads, listen, at the very least, pray fast and do penance for your children. Uh, and I could do more of that for myself, but ultimately that's our role. And every day is Lent until they come home. Right. Every day is an opportunity for us to have a Lent yeah. 
until they are home again and prepared to face the world properly. So a difficult uh, subject nonetheless, but I think the reality is the sacramental marriage requires sacrifice and giving of each other in our life in, in order to get the one mission we have, which is to get each other to heaven. You know, as parents, David, do you have children? I do have four daughters. Praise be to Jesus. You hey. know, I, we've got six kids and two grandkids and, uh, you know, my job is not to get them college educated or to get a nice job or to live in a fancy house in a beautiful place. My job is to get them to heaven. Now, if they need the education, praise God. Uh, or if, if they, they drive a nice car, they probably bought it from David L. Gray. Uh, if, you know, whatever. But if they don't get to heaven, then I failed. None of the else matters, right? So uh, as spouses, if I get to heaven, but my, my spouse doesn't get to heaven, how does that work? You know, um, I don't want to have to face Jesus and have to give an account for that one. I don't know about you. I will say I'm, I'm sorry, um, Joe, that, you know, um, Jordan and I are keeping you past the hour. So we thought, you know, I thought, but there's like so many questions keep coming in. If sure. I can borrow you guys for a little bit longer. Oh, great. Well, first, I'd like to give a big thank you to Solus Griffiths for for um, a $100 donation. I'll Appreciate make sure Jesus. I that up with Joe and Jordan. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thank you for that. You know, you guys help keep this channel online with your contributions and your memberships. So uh, I appreciate that. Thanks, folks. Um, I want to get to this, and I respond to it first because it, it, it triggered me a little bit. But I appreciate you, Will, for for jumping Laying in here. Out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate this. Thanks for having a conversation. That's why that's why we're here. Yeah. Um, Will says my spouse. Um, I think he said my spouse and I, we watch porn together. He says we both enjoy it. He says it does not impact our intimacy, love, or attraction to one another. Um, we know that porn is fantasy and, and keep that perspective. And so I'll say, okay, Will. All right. So, and I understand that you're, you're refuting, you know, we've been talking about how pornography can impact marriages. And so you're refuting that aspect of it because you guys are saying this is a form of entertainment for you. Okay. Let me, let me offer this perspective then. By watching these people perform acts of adultery on TV, you're participating in a grave evil, right? So you, you, you're saying that it, it may not affect you and your wife, you know, on a spiritual level. I can't discern that, right, from the outside, but you're saying it doesn't. But what you are doing, you're still committing the sin of adultery by participating in someone else performing an act. As, as Catholics, as Christians, we can't be voyeurs. I mean, because these people who are on TV or whatever you're watching, they're not married. Um, and so that's adultery. And so by watching it, you're cooperating in that sin, which still in, makes you complicit in that sin they're, they're um, participating in. So do you guys have any thoughts on what Will was saying? That was well said, David. Um, and, you know, I think it's just to emphasize what you said. You could be participating not only in just the the sin of the act itself. JP two talks about voyeurism in love and responsibility, and again, is the sexual act is reserved for man and his his wife in sacramental marriage. Uh, it's intimate. It's it's holy. It's sacred. Uh, it's not meant to be entertainment. It's meant to be a bond and to bring the spouses together and to build that platform, as we said, to uh, to bring forth life. Um, but you could also be participating in human sex slave trade because many of the people in these uh, pornography tapes are videos are victims of the sex slave mm -hmm. trade, which is, I mean, there's never been so many human slaves in, in the history of the earth. than there is right now in the human sex slave trade. 
Uh, I wish it was a topic we talked more about. My own city is a major hub for the sex slave trade in America. Um, so it's a it's a grave evil on society. And so there's that in addition to what I think you said, David, which was very well said. But ultimately, ultimately, your bodies, your sexual relations should be in a chaste nature, uh, a giving of each other, not in an entertainment mode. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Jordan. No, no, not at all. And I just I just want to say, you know, it's as a Christian, uh, what does Christ tell us? He says that any man who looks at a woman with lust in his heart commits adultery. And we know that there is a difference between lust, which is using the objects of another human being for our own gratification and love, which is willing the good of the other as other and giving of ourselves. Love is always selfless mm -hmm. in this kind of regard. So you're talking about how watching porn together actually brings us closer to intimacy and all that kind of stuff is actually by Christ's words, it seems like allowing for lust actually to get melded in with the selflessness of love. And so yeah. if you don't buy into the idea that that marriage is is a sacrament bestowed by God for the purpose of procreation and unity of the couple. If you just think it's a contract, it's a handshake, then you know, then of course something like that, you're gonna act upon it. But if you really see the validity of what right-oriented Christian marriage looks like, then it only makes sense that you reserve that sort of desire for your spouse and your spouse alone. Well, I, I saw a comment from Mary there about the cohesive unit does not uh, require or something along the lines that does not require accountability of partners. I, I want to say this, that there may be a misunderstanding here uh, about what we're saying about accountability. Uh, we're, I think we're speaking, I, I do so in my book, and I, Jordan, I know you said so when you talked to especially about covenant eyes as a tool. Um, we're talking about men who recognize that they've got a problem. Mm -hmm. and deeply desire freedom from this enslavement and they need help and that's the kind of accountability we're talking about here we're not just talking about well i'm going to make sure my wife never commits a sin and she's going to make sure her husband never commits. we're not talking about that yeah. what we're talking about is you know your husband desires freedom and is is just desperate to get some help to achieve that and that's where the spouse can play a, a pivotal role in helping the spouse, uh, you know, stay honest to their own set goals, their own desire for that freedom. Uh, your your partner, Jordan, who's your, getting your Covenant Eyes report every week, you know, he's not just out looking to see that you committed some sin, but he wants you to he wants mm -hmm. you to flourish in your own resolution to be free of that. Same thing yeah. with a spouse. That's all we're saying. Yeah. So guys, as we um as we wrap up, I want to hear um any final thoughts you have, but in, in particular, I like to hear um do you have like a, a certain prayer that you have or a certain or immediate go to? I know Joe, you have a whole book and you gave us all the all the tools, but just just a do you have something that's just a, a quick entry when someone is is feeling that temptation? Do you have like a a quick thing to go to? I pray the Hail Mary. Uh, yeah. I pray it over and over and over again. While I also, if I'm if I'm fully on top of my game, I will also remind myself of the dignity of the person whom I, you know, tempted to lust after. But you know, it's not a sin to be tempted. There's no sin in being tempted. Mm -hmm. The temptation comes when you begin to entertain that temptation. When you let that thing hover over you and uh, sit tight for a bit, that's when you are starting to commit that sin. So you have to vanquish that. And I do so through Hail Marys because the most pure human being outside of Jesus Christ is his blessed mother. And, uh, and her role, Revelation chapter 12, is to come to our aid 
And uh, so I like to invite that the, the this pure spouse of the Holy Spirit into into my moment of, of despair, my moment of temptation, my battle for soul. And so I pray Hail Marys throughout that experience. And the devil can't stand up to her. She is yeah, oh, the God. queen of heaven and earth. And she and, you know, this little this little petite young woman crushes his nasty little head and it drives mm-hmm. him nuts every time. And I'm all right with giving the devil more pain. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm completely with you on the Hail Mary. And I think that as men, especially like clinging to Our Lady as the real perfect example of what authentic Christian femininity looks like helps so much in my understanding of how I how I should treat my fiance and the other women in my life. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on the Ave train 100% of the way. And uh, at the same time for me, like I find St. Michael the Archangel prayer is like, it's such an instant spear. And I, I talked about yeah. this in my little video, but like what happens for me a lot of times is right at the consecration at mass, the devil decides to hit me with anything, right? Uh, an image that I'd seen when I was in middle school, like you name it, right? God, cute barista girl. Like, I don't care what it is. <laughs> and I, and, and that's why I kind of, I kind of say it's almost, I mean, annoying in like the, 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 the teasing way, uh, because it's funny. I just start saying, say Michael, the archangel defend us in battle. And immediately it's, it, it gets, I can feel it being literally ripped out of my head. And it's funny because, you know, temptation right, isn't a sin, but it's funny when, when you're, when you're waffling and you're like, you know, like I could, I could do something else. I could pray here and I could not give in to, and I know that I will not give in to my temptation here, that Lord will deliver me. Or I could just lean down. It's not a little bit of a deal, whatever it is. And it's funny because in those moments when I, when I, when I choose prayer, it's, it's almost like, I'm like, I know it's going to work. You know, I know that I know that God's got me on this one. That Every time. Right now. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah hundred. I, I, what I do is I promise uh, guys, it, like the technique in the book, which is the same technique we just said. I said, if you use this technique, it works 100% of the time. Money back guarantee without fail. And but wait, <laughs> there's more. You may actually go to heaven afterwards. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's a great is, you, know, you know, you know, definitely the, the Hail Mary, definitely the prayer of St. Michael. But I noticed myself recently because I've been working on a, a you know a new book and, and it's sort of is about this. You re, you recall this story, right? When you know Peter walking on the water. And I think a lot of emphasis is giving to give most a lot of emphasis. I think too much is given to Peter's failure, him, mm-hmm. him drowning and Jesus yeah. reaching down and picking him up. But, you know, just pause there for a moment. And I like to think of myself as Peter in that moment when I'm, I'm feeling this temptation to masturbate. I like to think of myself. I like to remind myself that, David, you're drowning right now. Mm. You're drowning right now. Right. And. You know, what, what Peter does when he realizes he's drowning, you know, he calls out, he says, Lord, save me. Right. Yeah. And then Christ reaches out his hand, you know, and lifts him up. You know, how hard, yeah. you know, how difficult it is. You ever try to pull someone out of water? That's hard. Let alone if you're already standing on water. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, you know, he, so I, I like to remind myself when I'm suffering that temptation, it's like, David, you're drowning. You know, yeah. and so the right response is. Not to focus on the drowning aspect, not right. focusing, oh, your faith is, you, you a little faith, your faith has failed. No. Yeah. Lord, save me. Mm-hmm. This is an excellent so, point. I, yeah. I just recorded a vlog on this very point, uh, which I am particip- I'm collaborating with uh, uh, the, the salt priests out of uh, Corpus Christi. And the, the vlog went like this. Uh, Adam in the Garden of Eden is given every tool. He's communing face-to-face with God in Genesis 2. I mean, he is made perfect. He's given the, 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 the command to keep and protect, to guard, to guide. 
And then, you know, he has this intimate embrace in the matrimonial uh, passage there in the last verse of chapter two. And so it's the intimate moment when the serpent enters into this relationship, perverting it, just, you know, trying to corrupt it. And he, he confronts the woman and Adam stands silent. He says mm -hmm. nothing, nothing, nothing. And we know he's there because the devil speaks to Eve in the plural form of you. He says, y'all. So the mm. devil is from Texas. So that's how we know <laughs> yeah. that Adam and Eve you were there. The devil went down to Georgia instead. No, he went to he went to Texas, y'all. And so, but Adam said nothing. Now, fast forward to the book of Hebrews. I think it's in chapter thirteen or so, or maybe it's nine verse chapter nine verse thirteen, where it says that Jesus Christ cried out with a loud cries and lamentations to the one who was able to save him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is crying out. Why didn't Adam cry out? to God whom he had been hanging out with in the garden. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden he is quiet. How many times do us guys in the whatever difficult situation, whatever challenge we face, sexual temptation, uh, anxiety at work, can't seem to uh, figure out what to do about this monumental thing that's in front of us, and we keep it all in. We say yeah. nothing because we don't want to look like an idiot when we open our mouths and we don't want to let people in on our brokenness or in the dirty laundry of our life. And so we say nothing. nothing. And the devil gets to isolate us away from the pack and he gets to take us out of the game. We have yeah. to cry out. I think that was an excellent point to end on, David. Amen. Jordan, what do you think about co-hosting Talking Catholic with me, man? Well, I got to tell you that, uh, that David, you are good people. Obviously, you have an extremely high caliber of guests on. So I'm, I'm very grateful that you had me back on. I'm grateful that I, I didn't stink up the place too much. And I, I look forward <laughs> to more of it, you know. And, uh, you know, so thank you for doing that. And then, Joe, thank you so much for, for your own witness and, and for your writings and, and, and just your, 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 your powerful stance, you know, thank against you. such a tough topic. And to your point, again, I think what's really great about this, and, and David, thank you for providing the space, is that, now we are getting a lot of men who are talking about it. This is a ginormous revolution that's happened that affects every single guy. And the devil loves to divide, right? And so we don't talk about this. And when we when we hear little blips and bats about pornography and masturbation in the culture, it's supposed to be about normalcy. And if you have this great feeling of shame or guilt, if it's tearing at your marriage, if it's doing all this kind of stuff, then, you, then something's wrong with you, the culture says. Uh, not not the fact that it's sin, but the fact that you just aren't with it. And so I'm really grateful that there are obviously a lot of men who are choosing to to do better, choosing to to turn back to God. And um, and I you know I pray for you guys. I pray for all the men who struggle with pornography addiction. And I really Amen. know that with God's grace, you know, we're gonna kick this, the devil in the teeth with this. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So you guys, um, welcome back in. I mean, welcome on. Thank you for watching Talking Catholic. We had Joe McLean here who is the author of this book. You can find it anywhere online, Amazon. How about livinghislife.net? You can find it there, livinghislife.net. Livinghislife.net. So um, he's authored that book. And also he is the um, uh, he has a radio show on GRN, a morning mm -hmm. show. It should be syndicated. It should be everywhere. It is the best morning show I oh, think wow. Radio. <laughs> and you're so, just saying that because you were get on. That, get that in writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys make sure you check out Jordan Pacheco. He has his, his, his podcast that is, I think is the best. Um, and of course, I was on, I was, you know, I had him on my I'm show. Noticing a trend. Oh, yeah. on our yeah. soon, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he has the best tra uh, traditional um, podcasts on all of 
um, the internet, I think, you know, because his balance is fresh and is, is glad. He's not yep. angry. He's not a mad trap. He's a glad trap. So make sure you, you get over there. And thanks for all, of you, all the new members of um, my YouTube channel. I appreciate you guys joining, getting the membership, and everyone who donated um, tonight to keep this podcast going. So, but until then, and until next time, blessings and shalom to you and to yours.